0: Welcome in to BDGE's first ever inaugural Dynasty Fantasy Football video. If you are here on the main channel, we have now launched a Dynasty-only channel, which these videos you'll see for about a month, and then we will cut it off. Cold turkey, everything Dynasty will be going on the Dynasty-only channel. That will be the first link in the description. Make sure you are subscribed there if you are playing in Dynasty. If you're not yet in Dynasty, head into the Discord We will hook you up. We will get you into a BDGE Dynasty League. As you can see next to me, we have two very handsome young men. Please introduce yourselves. These will be my co-hosts multiple times throughout the weeks, as well as putting up individual videos on the Dynasty channel going forward. Adam, take it away. (laughs) Hi. Adam, South Harmon, Fantasy Football, now the leader of the BDGE
1: Dynasty team. This is our co-host right here.
2: Hank, the youngest of the group. Uh, This is Andrew... Over at uh, the League FFB. You can find me on YouTube. Uh, but yeah, man, here at BDGE, ready to get it in.
0: Yeah, if you're unfamiliar with these two, you're going to love their work. They bring it, they bring the energy, they bring the research, they certainly bring the yapping. So Whole if you like what yapping. you hear from them, uh, make sure you subscribe to both of their channels. Today, what we're going to do is predict the first two rounds of a dynasty startup draft. We did this on the redraft channel. And y'all loved it. So I figured why not just transfer that energy over to some dynasty sheesh. So we're going to go basically through the ADP that Adam has on his website right now, which has 144 startup drafts already in the books. And it does include rookie picks as well. This is super flex, And we're just going to talk about Things that we see, things that we don't see, that we would like to see in this ADP in terms of where we think drafts are going to look like for y'all when, let's say, a month after the NFL draft <laughs> happens. Now is the time to yap.
1: Come on, yapper, go ahead. You can yeah. start us off, man. You
0: hear, word, Yappas- you hear the word yap, that's basically the same thing as me saying and It was, it was cute. Yeah. It was your cue.
2: I'm the YAPosaurus Rex. So <laughs> what the first thing that really stands out to me, and, and keep in mind, we've been monitoring this over the last week or
0: two, mm-hmm. and we've already seen a lot of changes. I was going to say, I did hella notes, like the same thing <laughs> that you like, did. I had mine, and I was like, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. A week later, I'm like, I had already cracked irrelevant. It myself. It doesn't Unreal. matter.
2: So I think one thing that we've already noticed is that Chris McCaffrey is already falling down draft boards. That's one thing, Nick, you and I said at the beginning, that we didn't expect that to remain the same Mm -hmm. going into June or later into the offseason. My first thing that I want to ask is, do you think that this is something that is still going to continue trending down? Do you think Chris McCaffrey is still going to fall down draft boards? Do you think – because he's sitting right now at the Mm -hmm. 204.
1: Yes. I mean, I just think that an aging running back when – I think uh, moving forward, running backs in dynasty or in redraft should be similar. Like we should be valuing them more on a one-year basis than really super long-term at that position anyway. But this cycle from right now here when you're watching this in February all the way till the draft comes around, the, the aging guys like Christian McCaffrey are just going to trend down the board, I think, they keep further falling. and further. And he was yes. like, when we
0: first looked at the data, he was the 112. And right. I was like, there ain't no one in their right mind using a first-round pick on, on him. And listen, he's, what, 28 right now? He'll be 29 by the start of next season. You don't want to draft a dude that old in the first round of a startup draft. If you're new to Dynasty, that's a mistake that you'll probably make because the names are so flashy. Now he dropped to 204. I do, I do mm-hmm. wonder, though, like – a lot of the times when I'm in startup drafts, sometimes my first few picks, like I, I won't go in with a strategy, but my first pick might dictate my second pick. For instance, like if I go, you see at the 111 where it's a rookie pick, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm building youth. C-Mac might not make sense. But if you build, if you take like a veteran with the 107 or something, you might be more likely to go straight into win now mode and make C-Mac that pick there. I do think though, like the generation coming into Dynasty Fantasy, like a lot of dudes from our redraft channel will end up being the people that, segue themselves over to Dynasty stuff will understand from us and and be the ones that kind of push towards the youth that I would be surprised if Brees Hall doesn't jump CMAC. I would be surprised if Trevor Lawrence doesn't jump CMAC. mac mm-hmm. um, Yeah, I, I could see him being pushed further, I, further down
1: the board. I even think there's going to be a point where Gibbs probably gets in the range or maybe ahead of uh, uh, McCaffrey too. And I think to the point – right now we're watching football still, right? Like you're seeing – San Francisco's still alive, so yeah. people are still watching him kind of like get off, right? And as that becomes more of the youth guys coming in and people are focusing on young guys, to the point you're making, though, about staying fluid, I think earlier in the startup, for me, typically when I draft, I like to stay, I don't like to b- basically make myself rigid by going down and picking CMC early, because right. now I feel like I don't want to have CMC and then have a productive struggle type team. It's going to make that pick almost sunk, sunk cost even worse, so... I try to stay more fluid early, and then if it comes to me later in the draft that I take older age, I will, but I think he'll probably fall. I think, honestly, one thing that I'll be shocked if it doesn't move forward, like that 301, pick three, the 103, I I don't think there's any way that's not a second-round pick.
0: Yeah, because the rookie class is so quarterback-heavy, and those end up being, um, I think back to like last year, like A-Rich, I think in startup drafts, was going around, honestly, he around where he is right now, 112-201, right? That's where he was taken. And I think, like, Bijan was right in that zone. Uh, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud didn't fall much further than the end of the second round. I think most people will probably look at the prospects relative to, like, what they are now to what we looked at as CJ Stroud, Bryce Young last year, which I don't think anyone was, like, over the moon about those guys for the most part. But people are going to be in love with Caleb Williams. They're going to be in love with Drake May. They're going to be in love with Jaden Daniels because of his rushing ability.
1: And that's the biggest thing, too, is, like, So you had CJ, you had Bryce, and you had A-Rich last year. Right now, you're looking at, with this draft class and the way it's going to shake out, all the mocks right now are projecting basically the first three, four picks are going to be quarterback, 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 wide receiver.
0: Well, dude, I like, uh, there's a bunch of mock drafts that I see now on Twitter where it's like the first six or seven picks are basically all, fan- all. fantasy-relevant players. Right,
1: and and because you're going to
0: have super flex quarterbacks, yep. guys. Yeah, Andrew, fuck go. It. cut it. Well, in. Yeah.
2: I was going to say, because you <laughs> think of like some of these rookies, and like, we, like you said, you've already been looking at some of these mock drafts and some of these landing spots, and we're trying to project where this is going to be once it's June and, and these guys have already landed on teams, imagine, imagine a Jaden Daniels that lands in a situation like Atlanta where he has B. John Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. He can use his rushing upside. Like, just how you're speaking about that 3-1, right. if Jaden Daniels is in Atlanta, I, I could see him getting higher than Kyler. I could even see him potentially just off of the hype and the buzz getting higher than, like, a quarterback like Jordan Love that we're seeing at the two hundred eight.
1: Well, t- tell Well, tell me realistically, like, what is the difference between Anthony Richardson – And Jaden Daniels with top 10 draft
2: capital. It's the same thing, right? You're making the same bet for the most part. And
1: and right now you're seeing him at the 112. Exactly. And he's coming off of a season where he got hurt but showed some flash. Exactly. Jaden Daniels is going to go up
0: there. I'd feel more comfortable with A-Rich, I think, based off what I saw for sure. I'm not
1: saying I wouldn't take Jaden. I agree with you 100%. I just mean that I think he shouldn't be far behind. He shouldn't be that far behind. I,
0: I think I agree I was actually going to bring up some of these QBs because, again, this is super flex, and that's such a big part of, like, the startup strategy here. Mm -hmm. There's a few guys I see. A. Rich, I wouldn't be surprised if he jumps up to right behind Burrow there. I agree with you. With Dynasty people, the way that they play is, like, you only need one guy to draft – a player that they think has that ceiling, right? Like mm-hmm. one guy in your league needs to believe that A Rich will be the one oh one of Startup Drafts next year for him to take him at the one oh eight. And that usually ends up being like any player that has upside will be taken at their upside because it only takes one out of twelve people in your league to do it. So I see a rich jumping up. Yep. Uh, I originally had Jordan Love because he was at the Maybe 211 or 212, I think. I think he was in
2: the third round when we first looked at it. it. Maybe, and I had him jumping
0: all the way up to, like, probably around where he was right now. I thought that was the right spot. What do you guys
2: think about Trevor Lawrence sitting here at the 206? He had a little bit of a down year. I feel like the community as a whole is a little bit more negative on Trevor Lawrence right now. Do you think he's going to remain about that spot, or do you think there's a chance that some of these other guys behind him, that 301 we talked about being a quarterback, Kyler Murray, some of these other guys – do you think there's a chance that they kind of push Trevor Lawrence down that board a little bit?
1: So I mean, for all the yapping you've done, he he did he <laughs> had he didn't just have a down, a little bit of a down year. Like he definitely fell short of expectations this year. Right. Now, the interesting part to me, honestly, is that Trevor Lawrence is staying where he's at and the community's so bullish on just the name cachet of Trevor Lawrence right. versus what his actual dynasty found. value is. Lost and found. Trevor Lawrence has not been <laughs> lost Trevor found. Trevor Lawrence's
0: skills and talents lost and found.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we're still trying to find it. But, I uh, mean,
1: I <laughs> I I don't th- I actually don't think so. Like, the community's basically still saying that they believe that, you know, football Jesus is going to stay there. Somebody told
2: T-Law's, us this is the guy, and we believe he's going to stay the guy. He's always going
0: to move. I think he's going to jump over both running backs. I just think running backs are so <laughs> devalued in Dynasty right now. And for good reason. Like, if you're in a full PPR league, which I think most, like, Dynasty leagues are, I'd rather – where you're starting three wide receivers, you got two flex spots – I'd rather go wide receiver heavy, for sure, and rest on the running backs. So let me ask you this. No. You say—I'm <laughs> going to ask you anyways. No it doesn't you. really <laughs> matter. No uh, you. So you
2: say that the running back's going to be pushed down. I, it's a two-part question, really. Who is the first running back that you would even be considering in startups? And how far down the board do you think is the, worthy of being the first running back off the board?
0: Okay, so I think I, think I would have that tier right there. Bijan, okay. probably Brees Hall is my two. Jameer Gibbs as my three, and C-Mac as my four, if I had to just go right off the rip right that's now. That's all as a tier. Pretty much.
1: I have I have it very close to that.
0: C-Mac might be a tier break right after those three, and then his own tier pretty much. Mm-hmm. I think T-Law, because people value quarterbacks so much, will jump Brees Hall, will jump C-Mac. Uh, the 203, 202, uh, where that's pick two of the rookie draft, probably will end. I think people will just value the youth of a, a Drake May over a Trevor Lawrence maybe. Uh, so I, I think T Law will probably jump those three, and then running backs probably in like the two five ish range. Because here's the other thing with like Garrett Wilson. Yeah, right? we hear two reports of Aaron Rodgers looking good. Wilson's back up to like the two hundred two, two hundred three. In my right. opinion, you know, he jumps so, the running backs. He jumps maybe T Law. I also think Amon Ra should probably be closer to that Jamar Chase tier. To be honest with you, in like the one nine, one ten range. Um, so running backs, I think ultimately will get pushed like the where Brees Hall pretty much is right now. But that might be the first running back off the board.
1: So. What's Hang I, I hang. hang I love that because <laughs> the the interesting part about this is I think receivers um, as a whole, the quarterback's scoring was down this year overall in yep. Superflex. Well, right. one quarterback too. But because of that, I think actually you're gonna you could see a potential for more receivers creeping up. And I think especially with the draft, possibly having Marv and Malik neighbors possibly as top five picks. Yep. I I actually while I said that I think three oh one will be up, I think there's a realistic chance that the top five are all very close to the second round. Like, I could see Malik Neighbors being in the back half of the second, early third. I could see yep. all three of the quarterbacks being in round two, and Marvin Harrison's definitely going to be I in the also, first
0: two. So, one of the other, like, interesting things that I think this board speaks to, but this was a strategy. So, I had a startup draft this previous summer. It was the only startup draft I did, right? And I went super quarterback and super running back heavy to start. So, I went with – um it was like Bijan, uh Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Kirk Cousins, and Jonathan Taylor were, I think, my first five-ish picks. I ended up swapping Kyler for Lamar Jackson plus another thing, so that, was, that worked out nice. really well. The team ended up not doing well, but the wide receivers, uh, because all the quarterbacks went down, I had one QB to play for the most part. But because I went wide receiver late, what I did was, I think the best value in Dynasty Startup drafts are the A.J. Brown types that you can get in round yes. 5, 6, 7. So my wide receiver core in that league, Brandon Ayuk, Michael Pittman, um, just DK Metcalf, dudes like that were mm-hmm. absolutely nailed. Obviously, the picks, you know, one of those could have easily been like Deontay Johnson and not work so well, but I nailed those. And then I got Jaden Reed and Tank Dell, drafted both those guys like later in the drafts. Those like 26 year old dudes, I'm talking about like Debo Samuel, mm-hmm. T Higgins, uh, even like Stephon Diggs. He's older. I probably I, would stay off him. I like right now, those values are crazy to me that you can go quarterback heavy, but it speaks to, like AJ Brown. AJ Brown falls into like the 207. He's 26. He's not old. But the wide receiver landscape has shifted so much in the previous years that everyone who's good is like 22, 23, 24, that it makes A.J. Brown look fucking ancient because it's not D-Hop anymore. And I feel like
2: there was a little bit of out of sight, out of mind with A.J. at the end of the year. So, like, people kind of pushed him a little bit more down that draft board. Even though from a points-per-game standpoint, like, he was one of
0: the best. He's a 100-catch, 1,500-yard guy every season. It doesn't matter how he gets there because you can't predict 16 games.
1: Well, I mean, and to that point, like, A.J. Brown is not as old. But he he offers – I mean, he he had a bad finish to the season. But, like, let's not act like the guy wasn't. He had six games over 125 yards. The guy's still a
0: freaking Batman, you know. The the overall – Yeah, the overall point I was saying is, like, A.J. Brown, I don't know if it's a guy I would invest in because he's surrounded by so much youth, but, like, those guys that you can get at discount in a dynasty startup, Mm -hmm. I feel like are such good value.
1: Well, and to that point, I was going to say, like, Tyreek Hill is obviously different because he does not have as many years left in the tank, you would project, because he's going to be 30 this year. Right. But you could argue to get him in the third round for another year has the potential to beat every receiver again. Yeah. So if you were to be in this early part and you have a chance to get a Jalen Hurts a Puka Nakua, and then add a Tyree Kill on top like you're seeing in this startup, that's that's Even crazy. Even
2: then, if you're taking a Tyree Kill in, like, the 303, like, that's still a very early investment in your dynasty yeah. drafts. Do you feel like that changes the way that you have to build your roster? Because then at that point are you kind of pushing your chips in a little bit earlier trying to go for that
0: chip in the first two years? Let me ask you this. Alright, let's say th- that this kind of goes back to, like, the CMAC discussion I was having right. earlier where, like, your first round pick might dictate the CMAC pick. Let me ask you blindly, let's say you had the 205, mm-hmm. you took C-Mac, okay. Tyreek Hill was there at the 308, you took him. Mm-hmm. Having those two veterans, who, out of anyone that's available, basically in that mid to end of the first round, who would you want with your first round pick, assuming you went C-Mac, Tyreek Kill. Like, obviously you can't take Mahomes or Allen because they went off the board first, but in that like 108-ish range.
2: I'd say I, first ones off the board for me is I'm looking at, probably I probably want to secure a quarterback I like getting quarterbacks early especially in these super flex leagues so I'm looking at like the Burrow the Justin Herberts I know they're a little bit older than the Anthony Richardson there's probably a little bit less risk than the Anthony Richardson but I just know I'm going to get good production out of them and you pair them with a Tyree kill or Christian McCaffrey I feel like that's a f- you know first three picks that makes me feel like I can make a run at the
0: championship year one. Would you go Herbert over Richardson? Because you're more confident that Herbert will produce, though, based on, like, having two vets now on the roster? Or does that not really matter to you right now?
2: I don't think it really matters to me right now. I I think, for me, it's just minimizing the risk. Again, I love Anthony Richardson. In the small sample size that he showed us this year, he showed us that he can be one of those top guys. I mean, from a points-per-game basis, in those two games that he was playing, the the two full games, because he had, like, two half games that he played, he was scoring just as many points as like CJ Stroud and and CJ Stroud's being drafted as the one (laughs) Oh five. So it is a possibility that he's up there, but again, very small sample size. I know Justin Herbert, I I know what I'm getting out of Justin Herbert at this point.
1: I I think, I (laughs) I think, I think, I think it's a lot of yapping. I think, (laughs) I think that Herbert, I, I get it, but like Herbert, actually the weapons and the situation that they're going into is very, um, not stable for me. I mean, there's a chance that both Allen and Mike Williams could be gone with the cap space. I'm worried about Herbert as, and, as and, a fucking and, player. And, and I think that the thing is when I, if you take Herbert that high, it's not that like, I'm not going to act like Herbert's going to drastically fall down boards. But for me, I'd, I'd keep it just as it is. I would have CD lamb who was in the back half of the season, arguably the biggest difference maker in fantasy. Keep him. I have a young stud scoring points. I have two older guys scoring points and I'll try to find a way to get the Baker Mayfield types, the Kirk cousin types later and, Basically, if I don't hit this year, that's fine, and right. I'll, 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 I'll basically I, start rebuilding after that.
2: I would – I agree with what you're saying. I also would say, too, keep in mind, Michael Pittman Jr., Anthony Richardson's wide receiver one, is a free agent this offseason. So, like, there is minimal risk. We think that he's going to end up coming back to Indianapolis. Yeah. But there's a chance he's not. And if, if that happens, then how do you feel about Anthony Richardson with no Michael Pittman that's Jr.? Okay. That's
1: scary, yeah. Can I tell you, actually, though, no. I agree. I'd much rather him have Michael Pittman Jr. There's no yeah. – There's no argument And
2: the point is that there's, you know, no matter where you're going, there's going to be a little bit of risk, some variables that we can't predict right away.
1: Agreed. Now, the one thing, though, with Herbert and A. Rich, right? So if you tell me that Herbert doesn't have his weapons, I'm more worried about Herbert than I am A. Rich, and that's because of the way that they play the game. And A. Rich is a guy that plays and the mobility he has. If you look at Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, those are the two guys to me that, like – from a rushing floor standpoint, A-Rich is. Where, not necessarily that he, you don't want him to have weapons. He'll be yeah. better with Pittman, right? But if he's if he's down Pittman, I
0: don't like it. But if Herbert doesn't have Keenan Allen and he doesn't have Mike Williams... Realistically, dude, I think all these quarterbacks need their playmakers to succeed. Like, right. you could bring that point up and be like, right. you know, if he doesn't have Pittman, I still feel good. Think about Josh Allen before Stephon Diggs right. showed up. right? Like, he was pretty bad. Like, look at any of the QBs here. They have really fucking good weapons for the most part, except for Alien Mahomes over here. But besides him, like, everyone has... Top and tiers. Not to yes. not
2: to beat it to death because we're not sitting here to to debate Justin Herbert versus Anthony Richardson. But keep in mind too, you saying the situation for Los Angeles, they have a top five pick in this draft. We were talking about Malik right. Neighbors, Marvin Harris, Fair. and some of these other guys. Fair. Like they could just add a guy like that they to could. their team, and then again that situation. You know what they should have done?
0: They could they could draft another Quentin Johnson. I was about to say they should have they, they should have not drafted Quentin Johnson. Could, yeah, yeah of things might be a little better out there, yeah. just a touch. But again, we're talking <laughs> about
2: in June, and if they if they take a Malik Neighbors. I think people get pretty excited about Jim well, Harbaugh and Justin Herbert and Malik Neighbors in Los
0: Angeles. Yeah, well, but it, every year everyone's getting excited about LA, every, uh, fucking right. all the time, and they right. never do it. But because you do want me to beat it to death, um, <laughs> a rich though, Pause. like
1: with with Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, what happened though when Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts did get that playmaker? So if if Anthony yeah. Richardson does keep Pittman, now all of a sudden the ceiling. As they, Jordan realistically would say, the ceiling I mean, is the roof.
0: You could tell. they I mean, they're super committed. Like, the way that they, one, drafted him, maybe turned down a bunch of draft picks to not move back in order yep. to secure him. Uh, they got Pittman. They re-signed Jonathan Taylor. They drafted Josh Downs. Who's to say that they don't attack the wide receiver group in the draft, right? And they, they don't go for, for a top-tier guy because there's a lot of dudes. Bingo. I don't know what pick they have, but there's a lot of dudes – that are projected to go in the first round at the wide receiver position. Right. So say they take someone, a Brian Thomas out of LSU or some, whatever the case um, may be. Yep. Now we're talking about the complete opposite.
2: And not even that, too. I've seen in in Dang. recent mocks and stuff Dang. like that, too. Like, they could be adding a guy like Jatavian Sanders or something in the second round where they're adding some tight end. Right, sure. You know, and, and, like, there's a lot of options that these teams can do. And I think that's what makes this whole <laughs> – Exercise the most interesting is because we're trying to project or trying to predict what is going to happen after the rookie draft, after the NFL draft, all of these other things that we've done, and what does that startup ADP look like so after that? So
1: let me ask you guys this then. First thing I was gonna say, in a tight end premium league, do you mm-hmm. think that Sam Laporta gets
0: outside the second round? Do you think he falls into the third? <sighs> so okay, I'm trying to separate what I think happens versus what I would do. There you go. Yeah, let's uh, talk it out. So Yap it, right?
1: Mm, that's
2: fucking for tough. me personally. I think
1: I think that's probably the hardest thing to predict. Versus, it's it's right on the cusp of being a second round pick.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think the community is gonna is very hyped on Sam Laporta, rightfully so. He gave us like one of the best rookie tight ends, if not, it was the rookie or the best rookie he, tight he, end he, 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 ever. He right? basically
1: broke he broke most of Kyle Pitts' records.
2: So so yeah, I think there's a chance that. Come June, he's in the second round, especially in these tight end premium leagues. But for me, kind of going back on what you were saying, Nick, like I think there's so much value, especially look at that fourth round. You have Mark Andrews, Trey McBride, T.J. Hawkinson. Like there's That's a lot saying. of value would, down there.
0: I would a thousand percent rather Trey McBride at wherever he's going, the four hundred five. I think he'll jump up in tight end premiums, but I'd rather him at like the three twelve than. Mc- um Laporta at the two twelve.
1: I mean, yeah. but but you also have Trey McBride ahead of Sam Laporta. I, I in yeah, the straight up, yeah.
0: I have I have McBride over Laporta. I okay. love McBride. Nice. I think he's a fucking playmaker. I mean, I even think you can he's get down
2: like you can get down even further. Like it it depends on how you want to play the position, but like even getting a Dalton Kincaid five oh six, like that's
1: beautiful too. That's
2: beautiful as well. Even a Kyle Pitts, if you believe in him, or the situation changed, like there's a whole bunch of stuff down here that you could pick that value at tight yeah. end.
1: And this is not a, uh, to the first two rounds, but I mean. Right now, when I look at boards, arguably the biggest surprise from last year to this year is how far, like, you would not have been able to predict that Travis Kelsey's almost a seventh-round pick right now. Right. Insane.
0: I also, I, I one of my strategies normally in dynasty startups, I'm almost never going above and beyond for tight ends, but I stack them in the middle. Like, in that startup draft that I was just telling you guys about, the team I had, what I ended up doing was going... uh Like, I got to, like, the eighth or ninth round, and I went Njoku, Evan Ingram, and then Isaiah Likely, like, six or seven rounds later. And that group together, you know, collectively obviously got it done because Ingram was good for the first half, and Njoku great for the second half, Likely was good as well. I'm more of, like, a volume play when it comes to that because tight end premium – it's like you do need one starter, but you could also use flex guys if you hit, you know, right. in those spots because they're gonna be better than running backs if you're in tier PPR. Let
2: yeah. me ask you this because I'm looking at this board and, and a name is sticking out to me and it's a I it's a three, name I got three names that, that everybody loves. It's Puka Nakua. Yep. So is there room for Pukunakua come June to creep up this draft board, or do you think he's kind of capped where he's at right Absolutely.
0: now? Absolutely. And why and I would ask you why not. I would say the narratives. Here are the narratives that I think the market are gonna push against. Okay. One I don't know if people I, I think we're all on board with like Puka's good. Puka's above average. <laughs> He's <laughs> him. <laughs> he, he may be him. We don't know that because we look at the we look at like Cooper Cup before Matt Stafford came over. Mm-hmm. Right. Good. Yep. But not not him. Cooper yep. Cup became that dude once Stafford came over. I think everyone's gonna be asking themselves, I'll put the tweet up on the screen, asking this was in early September, but I asked like how many wide receivers in the NFL right now would be doing what Puka was doing if they were in his spot. Now, I think Puka's overcome a lot of those. Like, he makes some crazy catches. He does a lot of crazy shit that you're like, okay, he's a he's really talented. Super talented. But the narrative of, like, how much longer does Stafford have? You know, like, is Puka just a system guy right now? He's above average, but, like, there's a lot of dudes that you put him in a different system. Maybe he's, maybe he's more Rashi Rice than 1,500 yards and 100 catches, which is not bad, obviously. He's a good player. But I think the narratives will start spinning around the Rams, around Stafford, around is he a system player? Oh, he is a fifth, sixth-round pick. Like, will he eventually get exposed for not having that draft capital? Do I think they're right? No, probably not. Would I use the 210 on him?
2: Ah. And, and I get into the that disrespect. Same, I get into yeah. the same thing because we're looking at the wide receivers that are just above him right like in that second round you're looking at Amon-Ra St. Brown, well, AJ th- Brown, Garrett Wilson how confidently are you taking Puka Nakua over an AJ well, let Brown me, let, over me, none.
1: let me just I, I, let me, not, let, me yeah. let me just ask you though hold on real quick let's just you were talking Say bullishly it, you were talking <laughs> bullishly about Amon-Ra yeah tell me what is different between Amon-Ra and Puka other than Amon-Ra's proved it longer and the same narratives that fit Amon-Ra for 2 years while we slept on him and now you're finally there. Puka did everything as a rookie you could
0: possibly ask and had
1: down weeks without Stafford there.
0: I agree. And broke the rookie record. No, listen, it's it's a fair – it's a super fair point. My thing just goes back to, like, if Puka's not – in this system, right, and you talk about even like Sta- Stafford making, making and breaking, fucking like Calvin Johnson broke the record, Cooper Cup breaking records, Puka Nakua breaking records. It feels like a Stafford slinging the ball kind of thing, at least a little bit. And we know how quickly landscapes change in the NFL and surroundings but, and, ex- and, and I shit think like it's, that.
2: It's a good problem too because. Look at how many elite wide receivers we have in these first two rounds. Like, these are really good cornerstone. Like, we're, we are so excited to build our rosters around these guys. The yes. like Justin Jeffersons, Jamar Chase, the CeeDee Lambs, Amon Ross. Like, just to get Puka even higher, it feels like a stretch to me. And I feel comfortable with where he's at right now, but I just I don't know if I can get him higher.
1: Well, and I'll just tell you two of the reasons why I'm bullish is they're basically tied together. One, this year you saw quarterback scoring was down as a whole. Defenses played more zone this year than they've really historically ever played. Guess who on all those boards, the second round and first round picks, are the best against zone coverage? I'm going to Ross St. Brown and Puka Nakuka.
0: (laughs) Of course, yeah, because that's how the Rams offense runs. It's like Cooper Cup and Puka finding soft spots in zone. And that's where I was just
1: going to say, because I agree with your Stafford point, but I also think that McVay's a lot to do with it, too. Sure. So I think that, like, I think there's a chance that Puka still is undervalued, and the, the reality is... I don't know that he's gonna go higher. So if we talk about projecting, like there's a chance maybe he actually falls a little bit. I, I'm more bullish because I I think would say
0: it's more likely that he falls than he rises.
1: I agree. I, I do think though, the only thing is it, it's really hard to to knock. Like Amon Ra you could see it because there was, you know, this time for him, so going into his second year, there was they brought in DJ Chark, all this stupid stuff now. But Puka, like, what can you argue the guy just broke the record as a rookie. Like, it's it's hard to argue some of that stuff when it's on the field. And then he does it in the playoff game and breaks DK Metcalf's record. No, like he's it's, been it's balling. It's
0: super fair. I, I, uh, I don't know. Like, for me, I'm looking at Amara, and to be honest, if someone took him as high as, like, the 105 or the 106, be a little, little bit of a reach, Bang. but I would really not – have a problem with you, it. So, you, actually, I was going to ask you, you have him ahead of,
1: uh, you would take him ahead of Chase, you were saying, right? Or at least in that same range, correct? I would, uh, in that tier. Yeah, right. he's 100% in that tier. So then, would you take, like, would you take him ahead of CD, too, or in the same tier as CD?
0: Would have no problem with it. Okay. He's just been consistent. He's gone on that track of, like, if you look at his numbers, rookie year to sophomore year to junior year, it's... Perfect progression. Correct. With with all environments and things changing around him. Correct. It's like catch number, boom, boom, boom. Yards number, boom, boom, boom. Touchdown numbers, boom, boom, boom. He's such a solidified part of that offense and such a good playmaker. He's gonna get the fat contract soon. Like he's he's dialed up. for And five as they
2: they've added weapons, Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, and things like and that. He's like, still, he's still continues. Right. And to right. I, think I
0: think it's an up. I think his touchdown numbers increased because their offense yeah. got way 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 better. You can't dial in on Amon Ra anymore because you have more weapons. Hundred percent. That's why. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Amon Ra. Uh, Puka. I don't see him being on a lot of my teams for for better or worse, just because that price feels hefty. It is. That's fair. I want to make one. I think we got to talk about Justin Fields for a sec. Okay. and then I want to make one hot take that's a guy going outside the first three rounds that I, I think ain't. could sneak into that 2-3 turn over there. He's going yes. outside the first three? Yep, he's Ooh. in the... F- yeah, uh, we'll get there in Let's a Let's hear. Bit. Okay, so Justin Fields, he's at the 304. Okay. When Justin Fields plays, he's a phenomenal fantasy QB, right? No argument about that. What scenario does Justin Fields' value go down? Because if we're looking at it from a practical sense, right, the Bears end up going with Caleb Williams. That means Field, they're, they're not keeping Fields as a backup. He's getting traded elsewhere, and then thus he's a starting QB. They can keep him and, you know, give him a contract. Thus he's locked up as a future starting quarterback. I guess the wh- – what scenarios do you see where Justin Fields would go down? The, this offseason happens, right? Okay. We, we fast-forward four months from now because we're predict, predicting June-ish startup draft. Where, what world are we living in where Justin Fields does not jump into, like, the 212, 211 range? So you're, you're saying – you pre- just a franchise tag, you, you think? project
1: like? You predict him going up, and you're asking what is what is the scenario where he goes down? Correct. So Re- I mean, A realistic scenario. The though. scenario would have to be, one, the Bears don't keep him, right? So they trade him, and then when he goes to that team, the weapons that he is – throw into or avoid again. And, okay. and the narrative kind of fits the bill of like, but do you this think, guy's not going to be a good passer. Do he's you gonna think Fields'
0: value drops from, I, I feel like it's not really about the weapons around him. It's more so like the longevity. It's like, th- does he have a place in the league?
1: So I would agree with that. I also think, does he drop from the 304 is basically what you're saying in June in this scenario. I think the reason that I would say it's, it, it could happen is because I think a lot of those yellow spots, which are pick values, are going to possibly go higher. Okay. I, I That's why I think that makes sense. But I don't, but I do agree with you though. Like, even if Fields goes to a situation which we don't love in fantasy, I'm with you. I think he's proven to be a pretty good NFL quarterback. He may not be the uh, you know, elite guy we've all hoped for, but I still think he belongs think, in this league. I think league. he can be. I think he just yeah. needs
0: long-term security and he'll jump up draft boards. I think. I agree. I think I'm just saying in
1: that scenario, where he falls down, I don't think, I think he'll still tread water pretty much.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think at times
2: in, in Fantasy football and NFL football, they usually are in line at times, but there's there's times where they don't. And I think like this is one of those yeah. where it may be if he gets traded and he goes on to somewhere else and the Chicago Bears move on from Justin Fields, it feels like in terms of NFL teams, this is more so like this is your second chance. Yeah. And it's not you're trading for a franchise savior. But in fantasy football, it may be a good situation for him to score a lot of points. But the year. NFL teams yeah. could be looking at this as, like, this is your second and last chance.
1: I, I, I think especially, like, in Dynasty, I think it's hard to do because people want to have that security feel. Like, you talked about drafting Herbert. You want to be mm-hmm. secure at the quarterback position. Yeah. But I, I think sometimes it's, we have to look at it in Dynasty and separate, like, NFL success as a quarterback In fantasy success and understand they can be separate, and that's okay. Why is Justin Fields very good in fantasy? He was
0: also awesome over the second half of this year. Correct. He was a great quarterback.
1: I'm not saying he can't be a good thrower or secure himself as a quarterback in the NFL, but we know a lot of his success comes from his legs, right? And he can have a year where he was not a good passer and ran for over 1,000 yards and be a top-five quarterback. So my point is, when you get outside of the range of those first two rounds, like – Dude, Tua has all the weapons in the world. We know the upside is more on Fields than it is Tua. Like, he's he's at a point where he shouldn't be falling any
0: further. Would you take Dak or Justin Fields?
2: I
1: think I'm taking Dak
2: right now.
0: Because of security.
2: Yes, but also he just put together a top three finish. Mm-hmm. And and there's really no situational changes that are going to be happening, well, at least next year.
1: I the reason i would take dak is because what you just said but also because the first 8 weeks he actually sucked and still was a top 3 quarterback. The second right. half was ridiculous. So, if they continue what they did down the stretch this year, next year for a full season, i mean it could be crazy. But yeah. uh i think it's really close honestly.
2: Nick, i know you want to get to your hot take, but I, there is one more point that i want like to talk about. Well, that. i'm interested to hear what he has to say, mm-hmm. but i'm interested in Kyler Murray at that 212 I th- I could make an argument that in my own personal rankings I have Kyler Murray over Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence is going at the two hundred six like I think the fantasy football upside is higher for Kyler Murray and they also have a top four pick here in the NFL draft we talked about adding them league neighbors Marvin Harrison things like that mm-hmm. do you think you know in the situation that maybe they do fall into a Marvin Harrison Jr. in Arizona is Kyler Murray going to go up that draft board more
0: what's what's his contract situation right now. Kyler, it's did a he, lot of a lot of paid, money. <laughs> they paid his ass. He got yeah. the extension. He got that yeah, bag. A okay. Lot. Okay. So th- that's like I guess my concern for Fields is like. NFL teams can push teams a year and then a year, like franchise tag. It's almost like they're waiting for you to be bad yeah. so they can get rid of you when they keep franchise tagging you. The fact that he's got the extension already makes me feel a lot better about if, it. If well, they
2: move on from Kyler Murray, they're going to be, like, deep in the hole. Like, it's gonna, they're going to have to, like, pay – I don't know the exact number, but it's, like, 50 or 60 million dead cap. Yeah, they're it's,
0: not going to move massive. on from him, I don't well, think, this in, year.
1: And yeah. the, the big polarizing reason why he's not going down – like. Everyone was saying his value was t- uh, attached to Cliff Kingsbury, but because they paid him, it now it doesn't matter, right? right. The contracts there. So right, yeah. the reason w- Justin Fields is almost actually similar to Jalen Hurts in a way. I know you may say, "Oh, that's crazy, Jalen Hurts so good," but if Justin Fields had a contract to say he's going to be a team's quarterback for the next three to five years, he goes way security. up. But yeah. but yeah. that but for dy- in Dynasty, there's. People get crazy about security drafting yeah. a quarterback in the first two, three rounds. Well, I mean, hey. Jalen Hurts,
0: it wasn't that, right, you're saying, it wasn't that long ago where, like, Jalen Hurts, everyone was like, does he even have a good arm? Is he right. a good quarterback? Whatever, exactly. and then boom. And do you think yep. that's
2: because here, when we're investing a top two-round pick in a dynasty startup, like, these are guys that you are hoping are going to be big centerpieces to your franchise team for next three to five years. Which? Is that because you don't want to whiff on these picks that you're more inclined to lean on the security?
1: Yeah. I was actually just going to say, like, me personally, I'm not as worried about it um, because I, when I go to draft, I personally don't, like, lock in these are my starters. I, I look at just value, and I could move any of them before yeah. the end of the season. But I think what I was going to actually ask is that, to that point, I think that was what I wanted to talk about with you guys for the first two is, if we were to pre- predicting the startups, right, in these first two rounds, can you tell me which guys are you most worried about, like, really having a – big time fall in value because it's almost every single year you see you know i mean travis kelsey was a top two three starter pick he's in round seven like there, there's always guys that really fall down the boards when you see the the first two rounds that we either predict or that you're up there now like who who are you worried about that they could really bleed value at the end this time next year to
2: me there's a few names that pop up and i think we've kind of touched on them Trevor Lawrence is a guy that he goes out and puts another season like he put out this year. I don't think we're taking him top two rounds anymore. Um, another guy that I think good sample size, great great year, it, but Jordan Love. It feels like there's a
0: little bit of risk there. I was gonna say though, the all four quarterbacks from Herbert down to Jordan Love feel like things can move here. If A. Rich gets hurt again, people are gonna be like, is he injury prone? Justin Herbert, the situation could change quickly. He puts up good stats sometimes, but like other times, I I think what's gonna happen with Herbert is like that NFL to fantasy dichotomy here, where I think the narrative around Herbert is starting to be like, can this dude actually get it done for an NFL team? Like, can he win kind of thing? And I think that's going to start seeping into fantasy minds a little bit. T-Log, you said, coming off a bad year, puts another one together and we got problems. Jordan Love... Um, I really like him. I actually would have no problem taking him at the back of the second round yeah. if I'm doing a startup draft, but I can understand, you know, sample size, small. Yeah, It is what it and, is.
2: And there's one more, and this is going to probably ruffle feathers, but we're seeing CJ Stroud here at QB4. I almost assume that come June and some of these other months later down the summer, like he's going to surpass Jalen Hurts, the narrative that we've had Jalen Hurts at sure. the back half of the season and things like that. Are we certain that Rubber. we should be taking CJ Stroud with – the same names of Josh Allen, Patrick
1: Mahomes. Oh, okay. I thought you were about to say I was on the top two rounds. No.
2: Are we certain that he <laughs> should be, like, with Josh
0: Allen and Patrick Mahomes? Let me ask you. Uh, are you a Kobe fan? I am a Kobe fan, yeah. Okay, yeah. Really? That's a yes. Answer to the question. I ain't, Hang. Hang. <laughs> ain't Lock it in. Quit right. the yapping. Easy. easy. I mean,
1: what, what do you need to see out of a quarterback to say that he's not solidified and like that? top six right there out uh, of their rookie season. Look,
2: I'm not saying that I, I don't think – I wanted to ask the question because I'm sure that there's other people out there who do have the question of, like, he saw a significant rise. This is a guy who we didn't even think was a top two quarterback in the class coming in 2023. And we had Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson
1: above him. What was the reasoning why? That's a good, that's a good topic to talk about, actually. Why? Do you remember? It's basically because he threw to all these great receivers at Ohio State. Right. And there's, like, oh, he's accurate, but he's not going to be throwing anyone open. He literally resurrected any chance of any people's right. career in that Houston team. Right. They were none of those guys you even are looking at very high on this board. And if they are, if they rose up it's cause of CJ Stroud. As a as a quarterback passer, like and, the accuracy he has, he's in the range of Burrow, I think. Pretty solidified for me. Now okay. the only the only thing you could argue is basically that I, I we saw this year Patrick Mahomes have a down year for Mahomes. Yeah, and I think that like C.J. Stroud, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, they don't offer the rushing upside if they have a be down passing year. Mm-hmm. But you can't tell me that C.J. Stroud should be outside the top six or seven. And I, don't I think.
2: fully agree with you because I do have C.J. Stroud in the same tier as Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. That's that's where I have him. I just you're have saying, but you are
1: saying have don't have Allen. him ahead of those other three. Yeah, because I have I Allen getcha. and
0: Mahomes is a higher tier than that Burrow tier. This is another one of those discussions, more like higher level where. I almost feel like it just doesn't matter. Like, you get any of those six QBs. <laughs> you're not complaining. Right. Like, the, you're like, oh, should I take Mahomes or Allen? It's like, it doesn't fucking matter. They're both going to be really good for you for a really yeah. long time. Yeah. And I feel that way. Like, CJ Stroud is Joe Burrow. Just a, a little bit younger. Maybe a little bit more upside. Who knows? But, like, I don't know, a point and a half per game or something over the course of five years. Not going to be the reason you likely win or lose. Like, those are both nice staples for your team regardless. Just take the guy you like. i. I actually think <laughs> Take the guy you want to root for. Take yeah. the guy you'd rather less see on your opponent's team. Yeah. So That's
2: why I like tears, because you can take the guy you like but still get similar production.
1: I, I actually, from the standpoint of if we drafted them and say you're going to have them on your team in three years, I, I tend to agree. Like, they're going to probably all go up and down in certain waves, but value-wise, they're all going to probably stay in this mix. They're, all those guys are pretty solidified. Right. Yeah. The only difference will be if you pick uh, C.J. Stroud right now, you could say maybe he's trending so high, like I'm going to start up, I saw him go 102. Maybe now you can actually get, like this is where you could take a C.J. Stroud and kind of tear down, maybe you can get a guy like A. Rich or a Herbert and pick up a serious asset if you time it right. But from a standpoint of you're going to hold these guys for three years, there probably isn't going to be a whole lot of difference in what their production is, honestly. They're all going to be elite players.
0: I just wanted to ask the question. Yeah, no, I mean, it's fair. And we talk about C.J. Stroud propelling his weapons up. The first player that I noticed on the board, and of course this was with way less data, but Nico Collins was going in the middle of the fifth round. Yeah, I genuinely think Fourth. he was going in the middle of the fifth round. Oh, God. By the time Sorry. we got to the updated Tank board. Tank Dell's in the fifth round. Right. And Tank Dell was like a eighth or ninth round pick yeah. Yeah. immediately. And those were the first two names I said, there ain't a fucking chance they're going that low. Nico's already moved up a full round since like an extra 80, 90 drafts were added to this. I genuinely think Nico Collins will be a... Turn two two twelve, three oh one pick by the time Ooh. startup drafts happen in three or four months.
2: And are you comfortable with that price? Yes. Yes. You would take you're him not-
0: there? If I went if I want CJ Stroud, I, I don't know if that, like the two I feel just as comfortable, honestly, as weird as it sounds, probably with Nico Collins as I do like a Puka at the two eleven, two twelve. Interesting. Nico was so good this year. He CJ, was him and CJ Stroud, yeah. they made fucking magic together. If you're I went the- Stroud at the fucking one oh four and I can get Nico at the three oh four, you're out. not on board with that price. I mean, but do you think that that happens?
1: You have a very good point. To, uh, do I have, what happens specifically? you think Nico?
0: how much further do you think Nico moves up? Because 407 so I could see up. a round. I here's, don't know if I can see him go here's to
1: the where, Here's where I guess it all really depends is, like, I don't know how much higher he can get. Like, I could see him maybe jump in Smitty. Like, can we really see him jump in Ayuk? Like, the guys ahead of him as a just receiver is where I would struggle with it. Now, I think with receivers all go earlier, he could definitely jump up pretty high. The only thing about Nico and the difference in, like, Puka and Nico for me, because I agree with a lot of the points you made. My only concern is CJ Stroud, when Nico was out, elevated Tank Dell. Like, I could see there's a scenario where they get <laughs> other people there that now all of a sudden Nico isn't just the only option. Dude, um, he,
2: he elevated
0: Noah Brown right. for, like, Noah two Brown weeks. had great weeks. CJ Stroud the GOAT, so why not attach good-ass weapons to him on your team?
1: Yeah. I don't disagree with... I'd like Nico Collins. I've actually thirteen hundred and eight in fifteen games.
2: Number seven in fantasy points per game. Seventeen point four. All right,
1: let's go take a look at Puga. Enough. (laughs) I'm not saying he's gonna jump over Puga. I know you're not.
0: (laughs) Hank. Formation adjusted yards per route run. These fucking numbers are getting crazy. That's how you. Crazier by the year. Yeah. Look at the efficiency. Look, look at the efficiency line. That was a case close right there. Yards per uh, out run like number two. Formation adjusted yards per out run number two. Yards per target number three. And it's like he's not <laughs> just a possession outside guy like T Higgins. Right. He is like TJ, how many times does CJ Stroud dial up that fucking Yahtzee ball down the field for Nico? And the, it turns the big, out it works more often than not. And yeah. the
1: big thing too, like from a from a stylistic standpoint, the biggest thing was I was gonna say with zone versus man is you look at Puka is a zone winner and look at Nico Collins. When he's in man coverage and Nico uh, is open, mm-hmm. CJ's not missing him. He's literally, I think, number one in the whole NFL um, from from man coverage standpoint. I'm saying, man, he's
0: also six foot four. I mean, that helps a, a lot in that man coverage. Beast. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's he's a dude that like, soon as round three starts, I'm cool having him. He's like, okay. I don't know. how much older is he, he than Chris Olave? Probably not much. Uh, maybe a Nico's couple year years. Three. Ni- no, year three, Nico's right twenty-four. Nico? Nico's
1: going into year four. Finished year three, going into year four. Correct, yeah. yeah. N- Nico's 24 right now. Still on a so, rookie contract, man. Well, but, okay, here, here's my question, actually. And, and the reason why I struggle with it, taking it where you were talking about, like, in that third round range, you were talking about can Puka go up. I see a scenario where he could. I think I'm drafting Nico at ceiling if I draft him there is my only problem. Like, I don't think he actually can uh, go past Puka. Um, maybe he could go past Garrett Wilson if he doesn't have a good year this year. Outside of that, I don't think he can jump in these other guys. That's my only problem. I
2: think that was the argument for Puka for
1: us. Is we felt like that was ceiling. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I, I, I think it's just we differ on the ceiling, what the yeah, ceiling yeah. could be for each but one. But that's going to
2: happen in all of your drafts, right? Like, everybody's going to have their own different opinions, and that's where you kind of value hunt and you try and predict these trends like we're doing today so you can now, see where those values will how, be gained. But
0: why do, you, why, why do you think that that, like, based on – this is his very first year with C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud mm. was a rookie. Yep. Why do you think that that's a ceiling? Why do you think they can't improve? Why do you think he can't improve?
1: From from a like points per game perspective, I think he could. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's he what could. We're talking about, fantasy. I mean, it's just for okay. So if you look at the people ahead of him, right, you have a combination of uh, God tier, right? So you have CD, Jamar, Justin Jefferson, points mm-hmm. per game, and youth. Mm-hmm. Amon yeah. Ra's basically that same thing. He's just had to defy draft capital. AJ, you basically enough. get to that AJ Brown range where it's like. The, Nico has to at that age where he's already, it sounds crazy, but at his age, year four, year five, it's literally all about production. So if it's not elite production, he's not going to maintain that price. He could go up if it's production, but like there's basically no room for errors, what I'm saying. And I say. think another that's just how Dynasty works. It's like yeah. the, the young guys will get afforded a couple years of not producing. He's outside of that range, realistically, where it's like you he better be producing to, keep yeah. to stay there. What I'm if you look at
0: the guys around him, like. Iuke, DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, he's got, I think, two years at least on all those guys. Like he's yeah. 24. The rest of them are 26, yep. ordering on 27. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he belongs there. I think I think more realistically, he probably belongs like between maybe Alave and Jalen Waddle, but I wouldn't be surprised if the narrative because the narrative around CJ Shroud ain't getting worse. You know what I mean? No. It's only going to get hotter oh, and hotter throughout the offseason. Nico Collins is going to be attached Yeah,
2: to that. I think the devil's advocate that I would play is that the situation in Houstons they have a lot of cap space and things like that like what if they add another
1: wide receiver do you feel the same way about that's, Nico that's, Collins
2: if they add another guy that's uh, the thing
1: that's the thing i i, I say too maybe I, I don't like i don't think that it means that he's toast what's the chance that they add another guy like oh you don't know, you you I, I think it's high
0: i think it's high Dude, they got other needs. Uh, they got other needs on that team besides uh, – they, they got Noah, They got uh, Dalton Schultz, who's been fucking great for them. They have Tank Dell. They have Nico Collins. And then they have a smidge of, like, Noah Brown played great. They have John Mechie. They have Robert Woods. Their O-line mm-hmm. has problems. They need to invest in that. They, they might bring in, like, a third-round guy. That's not going to affect Schultz Nico is Collins. a free agent right now. So, they, they just signed him
2: last year. One-year One year deal. deal. So, he's uh, – he's, he's He'll probably be – I think he gets an extension. He'll, he'll probably he'll come back. They, they I think but, they bring him it back. But I do think that there's a chance – I mean, if you get a – if they get a chance to Here's go and get a T. Higgins or something, like I don't know why they wouldn't. I just feel mm. like that really helps elevate
1: that team. I, I think the, the, re- the reason you'd argue that they I, – I would say that they invest in receivers for him is you have a guy that's proven that type of a, a, like elite ceiling. You want to surround him while he's on that cheap deal with as much playmakers as possible. Yeah. It's not an indictment on Nico. It's just that they want to probably juice up their receiving corps as much as possible.
0: I I agree with that, but I'm saying like at what what point does like whatever they add? It's easy to be like they'll add T Higgins. Like sure, Every, all 31 other right. NFL teams course, want to add T Higgins. Of course, the likelihood that they're the ones that do it. Fair. I don't yeah. know, fucking eight yeah. percent something like that. Maybe at the highest, are they gonna use a first round pick on a wide receiver? No, I'd be shocked if they did. And then once we get to like the late. Parts of the second round, those guys for me, at least not as like a rookie, probably the first couple of years, are not needle movers to Nico Collins.
1: The, the one thing is they do have. Uh, if you remember, they they fleece my Cleveland Browns, so they have the <laughs> Browns' first round pick and they have their they got sec- two this year.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, they, they have their second too. So like, there's a lot. They have a lot of ability. Uh, they don't have their first. They oh, up so moving, they have one first. They moved their first for the Will Anderson. Anderson trade. Yeah, gotcha. But oh, they right. but they still have they still have uh, the Browns' first round and their second round. So. There's a scenario where I think they use one of those picks on a receiver, and this receiver class is pretty good. So, yeah, um, sure, yeah.
2: I well, because you're talking about Brian Thomas and, like, guys like that. Like, you you might have a shot to go, depending on draft day. I don't know if it's super likely, but you might have a chance to get, like, a Brian Thomas or a Troy Franklin or something like that in the second round. <laughs> yeah. Beca-
1: because the, the other thing, too, is then I, I, I don't think there's any way with the rapport that you saw with Nico that they let him walk. But no. what But no. what, what, what do we know about a guy that's not drafted in round one? That's going into year four. It's time to get, it's time to either pay him or shit or get off the pot. Yeah, yep, They got true. they got to get a he, contract. He
0: produced to get paid. And I th- would be shocked if I mean, they like, let him walk. And Tank Dell's also he is Stroud's guy. You know, what I'm saying like he he was like you fucking draft this dude. They did worked out well. They're gonna listen to Stroud. So I think Nico's probably a part of that like Stroud package right now. So I get it. Like they add something to the mix. My point of view is like it's unrealistic that they add someone that is such a big impact to Nico Collins. No, yeah. that, that's that's
1: definitely fair. Yeah, I mean, Noah Brown's
0: kind of a sick wide receiver three. Who? Noah Brown. Oh. He was really good for him. <laughs> Th- yeah. Thank you. Mike, I know you hear that out there somewhere. <laughs> um. Okay, well, I guess there's one last name that I'd like to round this, this your, out with. Is this your hot take? No, no, Nico, no the hot take was Nico. Is Nico. Is oh, okay. What right. I want to do, because there's one Come more on, polarizing man. player on the board for sure, and it's Devon HN at 406, insane efficiency, whatever. Everyone knows the, the story with Devon HN. Okay. My question is, Raheem Mostert, not part of the team next year, if that happens, how high does A-chan go?
1: Mm.
2: I mean, I think there's a a chance that the hype gets to where you're considering him in the same range as a Jameer Gibbs. I think really? that's really what could happen with – think of how much people love Devon A-chan this year. I just think that we could get that out of
0: control as a community. So,
1: well, I think there could be people that do. I think that the, the reason that it it's won't – It's not I right. I think if rookie year was it's too erratic right.
0: for people to feel safe with it.
1: That's exactly what I was gonna get to. It's so, like, if HN would have had essentially that huge upside and played the majority of the season, I think that's the case. But, like, his upside's still tremendous. And arguably, his uh, his upside's weekly higher than anyone out there. Keep but in mind, the th- th- fin- this is a guy that still is very small and that has like took a lot of injuries this year. I agree. And that, that that I think is what's ultimately gonna keep him outside of the Jameer Gibbs range. I was gonna say though. You could probably see him going very much in this like mid third, like right in there, uh, above or at Taylor, uh, above ETN. Something. I was gonna
0: say like I think he'll probably settle in, Waddle ETN to a. I just think if, when right you
2: look at the fantasy points per game this year, like Devon Achan averaged more fantasy points per game than Gibbs, more fantasy points per game than Bijan. Like I, I think. There's a lot of people who like a enough that it could get pushed up to that point. When, I'm not yeah. saying that that's what I think should happen. I think it just I goes back to the safety
0: happen. thing where, like, he, he he didn't put together a long enough string. But I do want to yeah. say, like, a for those of y'all that, like, really weren't about him in college or didn't really, like, get into it, he was he was a really good workhorse running back for a&m right he was never just a speedster the last year he had a game against lsu i think where he had fucking 38 touches or something like that like insane type of shit so hn is a dude that can prosper as a full-time back he's not just a speedster that hits hits 80 yard runs and if you've seen any coach allow smaller running backs to have workhorse roles like we think of most bigger than hn most realistically what 205 pounds maybe Something like that. He's yeah. he's on track, the lighter side, like track star speed too. Mc, yeah, McDaniel's gonna let HN rip if he's healthy. That, yeah,
1: that, exactly. that Shanahan that Shanahan zone read system. Right. It's the other thing too is like with with chan It's basically can he stay healthy? If he does stay healthy, even if he doesn't get that lion's share backfield, like let's say he's even a ten to twelve touch guy. There's there's an opportunity for him to go crazy on that, but, but if he ever does get a 15 touch type workload or higher, it could break fantasy.
0: Type I agree, thing. Yeah. And but and he's got to stay healthy. That's, that's, that's what it. I was
2: gonna say too is he doesn't need a lot of
0: touches to do what he did for fantasy. Football. But like, do you want to take a guy at the 211 that you're like, ah, I'm projecting him safely to get 10 to 12 touches? No. Probably not. Yeah, right. exactly. That's my thing on HN. He'll definitely rise, I think, depending on what happens with you know Raheem Oster and Agreed. Jeff yeah. Wilson and all that kind of shit. But they're always a revolving door, and they. Yeah. They obviously like A. Chan a lot. Do you mind if we rip one more name?
2: Sure. Kyron Williams. How do you feel about Kyron Williams? I know he's very polarizing in the community right now. Is there a chance that he rises up if they don't make any additions in the running back room this year?
1: What? Why is he polarizing? Let me ask you guys.
2: I think because a lot of people think they look at the draft capital. They th- say, you know, year one he didn't do anything, and then he came in year two and and blew up. I think you look at the range of outcomes that he's put over the last two years, and you say which one is real and which one is not real.
0: Well, I well, would say I, I think it's. Relatively evident that this year was real for Kyron Williams. I say that, and I say that because McVay historically, when he finds a there guy you go. that he likes, there you go. he rides him. That's exactly. And we could say like, oh, they split carries with like yeah. Cam Akers, Malcolm Brown. He never liked eight. A- he fucking hated eight. A- a- the whole time. Thank you. <laughs> I need some hangs in this bitch. <laughs> yeah. Drop, drop a comment down below. Hang if you Hang. if you're with me right Sean now. Sean
1: McVay. All you need to know is it's Todd Gurley. When he decides,
0: when he decides, it's workhorse. this is
1: the workhorse. And when everyone else has no chance. It's so over.
2: It, with that being said, you guys feel that way. You think he can increase from that four hundred two where he's at right now. My
0: my problem though is like I don't love drafting the kind of like how old is Kyron? He's 24, 23,
1: 24. Going to be
0: twenty uh, okay. four? Yeah, twenty four. Let, let me check that out right, right quick. My my I, they I don't fact like They fact checking me out here. Yeah, Dang. I don't I don't like drafting middle round. The running disrespect. Okay, he's only twenty three. Twenty three. Going to be twenty four. Ooh, fact man. checking him, man. Um, Five nine one ninety four. I, I could see him moving up a little bit. I'm a little bit hesitant with dudes who are already into their rookie contract, and it takes a little while to break out, only because that rookie contract comes up quickly. And then yeah. second year, the dudes who get second contracts as running backs are like the those studs. guys. So yeah.
1: this, this actually, uh, I don't want to go down a whole tangent, but basically from a from a holistic standpoint, when I draft running backs now, I don't think we should be drafting with like, at the running back position, oh, this is going to be my guy for three or four or five years. Like, oh. I think that's just not realistic for almost everybody and i'm looking more so like if i can i project their workload confidently in next year and if i get the following season i think that's the cherry on top i think kyron williams has a chance to
0: at least do so that's like is that worth a third or fourth round pick in a startup because i'm like i'd rather have a nico or something but but then you get into
2: the whole like punting running back startup you know strategy and things like that which
0: i tend to lean if you're in like tier ppr where it's half ppr running back full for wide receiver 1.5 or tight end then like punting running back i feel like is ideal
1: it, it can be, for sure, and I don't disagree. The only thing is, like, with Kyron, we saw this year, you give this guy the work. Like, the the reason the running back I still want to have, if I do take in this earlier range, it's a difference maker. Like, Kyron Williams, relative to the field, can yeah. absolutely go ham.
0: So let me rephrase the way I feel about Kyron. <laughs> if we're talking about, like, fourth round, I think is okay, and I might even shy away from that in Dynasty. Yeah. Redraft for next year. If you're picking him as the RB2 or 3 overall, no problem with it. I legitimately think he'll produce like that. And if is you, it worth it in Dynasty? And, and go,
1: go back to the ADP just so I can put oh, this you. point up. Because if that's the case, if you're telling me that we think in redraft, this is a guy that is, can be drafted as RB2 with RB1 overall upside, I get him at RB7. Hang, hang, Yeah. Let me take that to the bank after I get my, uh, you know, CD Lamb, I get my Puka Nakua, and I get my Tyreek Hill. Let me go ahead and get uh I just let me go ahead and get that Kyron. I load, just, load up on points per game.
2: I look at it and I'm like, I would just why would I spend that fourth round pick on Kyron when I can get a Rashad White in the sixth or I can go get, you know, even a deeper value, maybe not as I mean, we're not even projecting a long shelf life, but you can go get like a Joe Mixon in the ninth round and things like if that. If you're asking
1: and me if I, would I rather have Kyron in the fourth or, or Rashad White in the sixth, I'd take Rashad White in the sixth. Yeah, that's I don't, just I don't where I'm disagree. At. So yeah. I just don't
2: I can't but I, I mean, don't if you're, it, spend that cost on the running back there. That's fair.
1: I I don't disagree necessarily with the strategy of like waiting on running back. Yeah. But if you're gonna tell me that I my first running back comes in the fourth round and he has the upside of RB one overall for the season, I don't I don't think it's like early, right? Yeah. I'd rather yeah. take that almost than getting Bijan at two hundred two and projecting that he's gonna be the guy chill, for, for three years.
0: Shorty. chill, Hank. You don't think I, Raheem Morris about to turn Bijan into a Hall of Famer? Maybe. Hall of Famer? You better Dang. hope so. He, looked, Sh- he should already be are, in are the, the DNA. Thalp, are the Falcons' bike? We've never left. Okay. S- Super Bowl f- Super 61 runs through Atlanta. Everyone uh, knew that. Arthur Smith was the GOAT. What's the next Super Bowl? with number? 58, 59?
1: VXL-YY. The one? The next Super Bowl Atlanta's in? Long time.
0: That ain't what I was fucking in. All right. We're going to wrap up. Right there. Thank you guys for hanging out for this full episode. If you made it this far, make sure you go hit the button that looks like this. And while you're down there, you will have the link to the dynasty channel. If you're watching on the redraft channel, if you're new to the dynasty channel, make sure you subscribe, yep. make sure you subscribe to these two strapping young fellows channels as well. We'll be biked with group podcasts like this twice a week. And then each of us will be doing our own individual videos once a week as well. So you're going to get five videos per week, Right off the bat, hopefully, that is the ideal upside right now Uh pending me finding a thumbnail guy that I am comfortable with. <laughs> Might have to drop down to four if we can't figure it out, but you'll be getting a shitload of content from really? us. Anyways, let us know what type of content you want to see us discuss. What we want to do as a group is really have more conversational type pieces rather than like, hey, these are my top 10 rankings, or hey, these are uh, the five must-draft players. We want to have more bigger picture, larger discussions that we can kind of just fucking yap back and forth at each other for. So if you have any good ideas for that, it could be anything. It could be league etiquette. It could be, like, commissioner tips. It could be there. there is no creativity boundary here. We are looking to take over the Dynasty game, and this is where it fucking starts. All right. <laughs> <laughs>